Welcome to the other party, got that vibe Well, you know we getting lit and come alive And you know we got that light, so we gon' shine And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah Hey, it's Chris. Welcome to the After Party. I hope you guys had a great week. Mine was pretty productive, I guess, considering the circumstances. By that, I mean I'm getting the podcast done and I got a video out. I had intended to do, you know, I don't know, three or four videos this week. It just didn't work out because of the move. You guys might be wondering, what is the deal with the move? What's taking so long and so much of Chris's time? Well, a couple of things and nothing to complain about, really. Number one, building a new place, and that's good and that's bad. It's good because it's a new place, and I get to deck out a studio space and and kind of customize things, but it's bad because I have to customize things, and it takes longer than if we had just bought a place that was ready to go and right on the market. The other thing is it's a huge pain when you switch uh, states, when you move, to change your business information. And so we had to dissolve the old business entity reform as a new business entity and that was just a huge pain and it's continues to be an ongoing pain there's tax uh, ramifications um just all kinds of craziness and so it does it, it sucks up a lot of time that i could be you know creating stuff instead but progress is being made and i'm glad that we're sort of getting towards the end of a lot of that stuff which is cool and that's gonna free me up to be able to come back uh, with a vengeance once the move is complete and hopefully just start cranking out some really great high quality fun content. In the meantime, here we are today and there's some interesting stuff to talk about today. I think this is going to be a really fun show. Things to talk about. We're going to talk about um, sponsors a little bit and some behind the scenes information that you might not get, including Paperlike. I want to talk about Paperlike in a non-sponsored way today. As soon as I sat down to start recording this, of course, FedEx showed up with a package, and it was a package that I wanted. It was a new lens for my new Sony camera, which hasn't even arrived yet. So in the meantime, it's going to be living on my A6600s, one of them, until the new A7S III shows up, which... I don't know. I'm probably going to be moved into the new place by the time that actually arrives. Um, I also want to talk about the shoes because my man Danny Winget, is that how you pronounce it? Winget? It's not wing it, right? Winget? I don't know. Uh, I know he's a sneaker dude, and you guys know from the last episode I just picked up some new sneakers. Well, they're already dirty, so he gave me a tip on cleaning. I'm going to touch on it because it's interesting. And then, of course, we're going to get into some Apple topics there's some news that I really care about that I want to discuss. And then I got some how-tos for you guys because I think that's been useful for people. And there's some stuff that I'm learning as well that I just want to share with you as it hits. So this is going to be a really interesting, diverse episode. Oh, did I already mention? We got a Discord server in the works. Somebody, and the announcement will come soon, was nice enough to just craft a really well thought out, awesome Discord server, which I don't have time to do. So I'm really glad. It's a place for technicians, the fans of Daily Tech to gather, to connect, to talk about the latest Apple products, other tech products, the channel, videos, just hang out. Um, it's gonna be really great. Really looking forward to it. Really awesome. So stick around for that announcement. It's coming up. But for right now, let me open up this box real quick for a couple reasons. Number one, I can't wait. Number two, I mean, why not? Okay, so here it is. Nice little unassuming orange box. This is the FE 85 millimeter F 1.8 lens. All right, the reason that I bought this, uh, I have some very specific lenses that I'm buying. You guys already know, I got the 20 to, 24 to 70 mil, uh, and that's an F 2.8. So it's fast, but uh, it's not gonna deliver ridiculous bokeh or blurry background. 
This lens is more for the bokeh. That's why I got it. Ooh, so there's what it looks like if you're watching this uh, on YouTube instead of just listening. Um, it's nice. It's light. That's what I like about it. This is sort of like a, a mid-level lens. You can go down to an f1.4, which is going to be very fast um, and give you a really, really blurry background. Um, but f1.8 is still really nice. Anything under two is going to be nice for bokeh, for blurred background. But the reason I got this is because I had a lens that I just loved. It was like my workhorse lens for really nice shots. And you saw it on all the videos at my last space. And that was a 42.5 millimeter uh, Noctocron lens. It was a pretty expensive lens. I think it's the most expensive lens that you could really get for the GH5, which was my main workhorse camera recently. But the shots I would get with that were ridiculous. And while I like the 20 to 70 um, because uh, it's so versatile, right? It's fairly wide, so I could sit in front of it and talk, and it gets fairly zoomed in, so I can get some nice blurry background kind of stuff when I'm out. Really got to be out of the office to film at 70. Uh, it just wasn't as fast as I wanted for certain shots. The GH5, that was a crop too. So when I used the 42 and a half on it, it was really like an 80 something. So this is gonna be very, very, very similar to my old favorite lens and enabled me to get some really great shots with Sony's autofocus for the channel with the new camera. Can't wait to try this out. Oh yeah, so, so I got my new shoes and I mentioned that last week. If you guys missed that whole announcement, you can just go check it out. It's not a big deal, it's like new shoes, but I hadn't had any for a long time and I decided to get some nicer ones this time. And you know, right away, if you use shoes and these are kind of white, you guys saw, they're gonna get scuffed up, dirty and whatever right away. And that happened, of course. And by the way, I was out at Panera and I'm eating some tomato soup and my wife's like, don't spill that on your shoes, and sure enough, I looked down, and there was a nice red dot on my new white fly knit shoes. First thing I did was hit up Danny Winget on Twitter, because I know he's a sneaker dude, and I was like, hey, how do you clean sneakers, basically? <laughs> Is there anything out there that works good? And he let me know there's this thing called Reshuvenator, and it's kind of expensive. He was like, you should catch it on sale, but thanks for the tip, Danny. I, I think I'm gonna order one of these. I don't know which one yet but it's pretty crazy, the whole ecosystem around sneaker stuff, which I haven't really gotten into until right now. I'm just kind of dipping my toes in, if you know what I'm saying. So Reshuvenator, I don't know, it's like a whole kit, and it starts at 35, and it goes up to like 100 for different kinds of kits, and that looks pretty useful. I think I'm gonna snag one, probably the cheaper one, uh, just to keep these shoes, which were kind of an investment, uh, looking as good as possible for as long as possible. And here's the other thing. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm turning into a sneaker head, but I did order some other shoes, some alternates. In fact, my wife did too. I got her two new pairs as well. Well, she did too. You know, we looked at it all together, uh, but it was shoe buying week here. So I got some Allbirds as well, which are just kind of the Silicon Valley shoes, really comfortable just as an alternate so that obviously I don't want to wear these like through the mud or something when it gets all rainy and snowy, uh, the new Nikes. So this will be like my alternate pair they say they fit like just a pair of socks, really comfy um, and nice. So which ones did I get in case you're interested? The Men's Wool Runner Mizzles. I don't know what a mizzle is, but that's what I got. It's their uh, weather-ready sneaker made with merino wool and puddle guard. That's what I need, puddle guard. See, these shoes I can wear and just not have to worry about every little scuff and whatever. And I just got them in gray because, <laughs> you know, if there's a tomato soup stain, no one's gonna know or care. And I can just wear them without caring. People make the weirdest comments, by the way, about just the littlest things when you post on social media. Somebody flipped out because I was wearing sandals in a, an Instagram post recently, and 
I don't even know how they noticed it. Was, you know, I was pretty far away from the camera, and the post was more of like a scenic shot of what was around. It wasn't a close-up of me or anything. You'd really have to pay attention to notice, oh, he's wearing sandals. But this person really flipped out. They got themselves banned from making any further comments on Instagram on our account. But, wow, people just pick weird things to nitpick about. We'll just say that. All right, I want to take a little bit of time right now to talk about Paperlike, which is one of the sponsors on our channel that you guys see pretty frequently. When we do an iPad video, it's often sponsored by Paperlike, at least the iPad Pro content. Now, well, word about sponsors, uh, and I haven't seen Marquez's post where he's talking about can you trust MKBHD. I think it had good, a good reaction. People appreciated his transparency and honesty. And so in that same vein, I do just want to talk about this because Paperlike sponsors a lot of creators on YouTube um, and their iPad content, which is great. They're supporting us, and we couldn't make content without sponsorships. That's not how YouTube really works for somebody at least in our range, in the 200, not quite 300,000 subscriber range. I see a lot of Paperlike reactions. A lot of them are very, very positive, um, but every now and then somebody is negative about it maybe because of shipping to their particular country or because they feel like there's a cheaper product out there that's just as good in their mind. Um, but I just want you guys to know, and, and people comment too, like, uh, where's the paper like on your iPad? Well, I have a lot of iPads. They don't all have paper likes on them. When they send me a product um, to talk about, they send a couple, you know, but I talk about Apple products for a living. I have several Apple products and not everyone of my iPads has a paper like on it. But my personal one, the one that you see here, if you're watching, this is the 12.9 inch iPad Pro. This is my main go-to iPad that I take with me everywhere, do everything on, watch movies, uh, type, research, whatever. And it's got a paper like on it, basically permanently, unless it gets a scratch in it, which has happened to me in the past because a screen protector can get a scratch like this. It's not one of those indestructible screen protectors. It can get scratched if you're not careful with it. You gotta take care of it. And in the past, I did have one that got a scratch and I had to take it off and I hated taking it off. And it was my own fault. I was kicking myself for not taking better care of it. That hasn't been a problem at all with the Magic Keyboard because when this closes up and folds up, it just automatically protects the screen and therefore also the paper-like as well. But I absolutely, positively love writing and sketching and drawing with the paper-like on my iPad. This is not sponsored by paper-like. I just wanna make sure that you guys understand I wouldn't promote this product if I didn't actually use it and like it. I do use it in my personal life, and I really like it. I love taking handwritten notes with it. A lot of people think that it's bad for your screen quality, you know? And I get a lot of questions. Can you leave it on there? Well, I do leave it on there. And I, like I said, I've been treating this thing, you know, in the middle of our move, like our TV, our family. Sometimes we'll, you know, at lunch, watch a TV show on it or something because the speakers are so great and it, it's a pretty decent sized screen. And we're all watching through the paper-like, with the paper-like, and nobody has ever complained about it. I've never been like, oh, I wish that paper-like wasn't on there. No, not at all. I don't even care. I don't even notice. If anything, it really does reduce the glare. Now, it does it in a different way than the iMac with that new nano etching uh, that they do on there, but it makes a nice difference when it comes to glare. <laughs> Somebody commented... Note to YouTubers, I have got myself a paper-like screen protector even though I don't own an iPad. Thank you. <laughs> it's got a couple of thumbs ups. Yeah, I know the ads are everywhere. I understand. Um, here's a comment that somebody commented on the apps that make the iPad Pro worth owning in the 2020 version. Um, they said they just bought uh, his and her iPads <laughs> and they got paper-like 
and they can say that it really does make the iPad Pro experience even better. Again, this this video right here is not sponsored. I wanna talk about Paperlike in a non-sponsored environment. He says, no glare, good to write on, can't explain the touch slash feel slash quality, it just is. Lesser greasy finger marks and no scratches so far. Need to be super careful in the application, but would strongly recommend. Yeah, obviously. I mean, don't scratch it, that's good advice. You do need to take care of it. And the installation, you know, I've installed several of these at this point, and I don't like installing skins or, or screen protectors really in general, but there's a great uh, video that Paperlike provides with step-by-step -step detailed instructions. Um, they do a good job putting out their product and making it very usable. Oh, and I should mention too, there are some ripoffs of Paperlike on Amazon in particular that I've seen that are using the Paperlike wordage, wor verbiage, <laughs> uh, but that aren't from Paperlike. So you gotta be careful. Um, a lot of people like to ask about whether or not this wears down your Apple pencil tips faster. You know, I've never replaced one in however many you know months or years that Paperlike has been a sponsor on some of our content. But that said, you know, I don't use the Apple Pencil heavily for hours a day or anything like that. Like, I'm not doing a bunch of professional sketching or, or drawing or artwork. But, you know, I use it occasionally for stuff, and I haven't had to replace it. And I could understand, you know, that if you used it heavily, maybe you would have to replace it. I don't know. That just hasn't been my experience. Somebody says, I've had enough of paper-like sponsors. I mean, I understand people don't like ads in general. But, again, if you guys don't want to see paper like so often or any other sponsor i mean how do we run our business you know we got to do it somehow and it might as well be with a great product <laughs> here's somebody's uh, question on uh or comment on the ipad pro magic keyboard two months later video hey chris any ideas if there's a screen covering that i can put on my ipad that feels more like paper than glass when i'm drawing using an apple pencil <laughs> clearly sarcastic Somebody says, is there an iPad video on YouTube which isn't sponsored by Paperlike? Yes, obviously. Uh, but I understand the sentiment. I just want you guys to know, as a YouTube creator, um, I appreciate Paperlike for supporting our channel. I appreciate their product because it is a good product. And I appreciate the opportunity to be able to mention it to people. If this was a bad product, I wouldn't be covering it. Which is a great segue into the next segment, which is just this last week, our team decided to turn down several thousand dollars uh, for a dedicated video. So, you know, we get approached by companies all the time, you know, saying, hey, can you cover this? And it runs the gamut from, uh, we'll give you this free product that's worth $20 if you cover it on the channel, to, uh, hey, let's set up affiliate account for you and we won't pay you, but we want you to feature this, to, hey, we'll send you a free monitor or TV or we'll do that and we'll pay you, what, what are your rates? Uh, and those are the serious companies that we actually work with. But there was a company last week, and this also just comes down to being transparent with you guys, letting you know kind of some behind the scenes business information. But this company approached, they had an air purifier, I think was the product, and they were gonna pay us between $5,000 and $10,000, I won't give you the exact amount, but that's the range, the neighborhood, to do a dedicated video, which means a video just about their product. Not a video that would be you know interesting to our audience with a little ad attached like a sponsored mention, we call those, but a dedicated video just about an air purifier to which we said no. It's very rare these days for me to do a, a dedicated video at all uh, because I feel like it doesn't bring a whole lot of value to the audience. And by dedicated video, I mean a company coming up and saying, hey, we'll pay you to make a video 
talking about nothing but our product. You know, every YouTube channel handles sponsorships differently. The method that we've settled on that I think works best for everybody involved, meaning for us, in order to stay in business, uh, for you guys as an audience, uh, in order to hopefully discover new products that might align with your interests as you know, in the stuff that we cover and not be too annoying. Uh, I got to balance all these things. And also for the companies who would pay, you know, to get their product in front of people, uh, hopefully in a non-annoying way, the method that I've settled on is the sponsored mention model for, you know, 99.95% of the sponsorships that we do on the channel, which means we usually do a little mention, hey, this video is sponsored by whoever, right at the beginning. And just kind of as a disclosure, that really shouldn't take too much of your time, you know, a couple of seconds and get into the video. And then right before the video concludes, then do the sponsored mention, which is usually 30 seconds to a minute, somewhere in that range. And I'll just be honest, a lot of people have dropped out of the video by that point. Uh, most people don't watch the videos all the way through. I don't know if you realize that or not. So really for most people, the ads are so unobtrusive on our channel that they're really not worth complaining about. But I do want you to know that we have a, a filter, a screen. And if somebody comes up and they're like, here's a bunch of cash to just talk about our product in front of the camera, we don't just take that automatically. In fact, we're gonna turn down a lot of money and a lot of opportunities and stuff, that easy money, that low hanging fruit, because we care about the quality and we care about you guys as a channel. So if somebody's, you know, complaining, oh, you know, Paperlike or whoever it is, they're sponsoring too many videos and that's such a pain. Well, you know, we have to stay in business, number one, but we're also not taking junky products and putting them in front of you. We're trying to take quality products and put those in front of you. And hopefully it's a win-win-win situation for everybody involved. Because look, the alternative is <laughs> I would be happy to have no ads ever if there was 10,000 people paying a monthly membership fee or something, but that's not the case. And we've done, we've tried some monthly membership stuff and there's just not enough interest um, with our audience for people to do that. But we have to pay for gear. We have to pay for expenses. And there are a lot of expenses to being a YouTuber. People don't understand the work that's involved and the expenses that are involved. There's a lot of both. So could I have used, you know, north of five grand for something? Absolutely. That could have, you know, paid for all kinds of things, either for the channel or in the personal life. But we made a decision not to do that because we do care about our brand and about our viewers. So I just want you guys to know, I wanna be a little transparent when we're talking about you know, the actual sponsors on our channel and the stuff, more importantly, probably that we don't let get in front of your eyeballs. All right, let's dive in and talk about Apple. More specifically, Big Sur, even more specifically, Safari, because I'm super, super, super excited about Safari in Big Sur. Right now, there's some betas floating around, so you could go out and experience what we're about to talk about if you wanted to, which is specifically how Safari is going to be so much better, finally, than Chrome. Uh, but probably more, this is just gonna be exciting you know, for the future. Whenever Big Sur officially hits and it's not in beta form anymore, and you can just download it regularly and use it and love it. Uh, but either way, whether you wanna use the beta or you just wanna know what's coming up, I'm excited about this. Let's just set the table here a little bit. I've been using Chrome for a long time because I felt like I've been locked into the Chrome ecosystem and I've alternated. I made a video about Brave, the Brave browser, which runs on Chromium. It's a little bit more private though than Chrome. Actually a lot more private, I would guess. 
but it still locks me into that whole Chromium experience. There have been times when, as a YouTuber, I couldn't get pieces of the back end uh, of the YouTube interface to load properly, stuff I relied on and needed in Safari or anything other than Chrome. So I don't know if that was a bug or if it was intentional or what happened, but I felt very locked in. The big thing that's kept me locked into Chrome has been the extensions. And as much as I have wanted to use Safari, I haven't been able to because several extensions that I rely on are only available in Chrome or Chromium. Well, that's about to change in a major way, along with a bunch of other updates that are coming to Safari that should have every Mac user just ecstatic. Now look, Chrome has been, for a long time, the most popular web browser out there. Uh, that's not a secret, whether we're talking about Macs or PCs. Chrome, it was stealing the shell. But Chrome has some very serious issues. Number one, and this is the thing that everybody probably knows about, it's a resource hog and it's also a battery killer. If you use Chrome, you can expect your battery on your Mac to drain faster. That's just how it works. And then in terms of raw processing power, opening up a bunch of tabs in Chrome is going to use a bunch of your system resources, tie them up, which is not cool as well. You want your fan to spin up from browsing the web? Use Chrome. And the other thing, a big thing too, for a lot of people is just the privacy aspect. Google, they don't care about privacy in the same way that Apple cares about privacy. We can get into the ethics and stuff later. It doesn't matter. I feel like we keep touching on that every four episodes or something. Yes, Apple has a reason, a business reason to care more about your privacy, care, quote unquote. Uh, and Google has a business reason not to. And people are going to align on either side. It doesn't matter. For this conversation, uh, Google and Chrome, they just don't care about your privacy in the same way as Apple. So with Mac OS 11, we're going to get some updates that are going to basically, I think, in every possible way, eat Chrome's lunch with Safari. And there's no doubt, like, Apple is attacking Google's um, dominance of the web with this update because there's not really a lot that you can do that doesn't somehow interact with or touch Google in some way, shape, or form online. And you see Apple periodically coming after Google's products. Uh, look at Maps. And that was a long road to getting to where maps would be very usable and something that would actually be useful and enjoyable. But I feel like we're definitely there. I've been using Apple Maps instead of Google Maps for the longest time already, and I'm very happy with it. All right, but let's talk about the privacy. Now, this isn't going to be the most visible thing that you notice, but there's a lot of stuff that's going to be happening in the background when you're using Safari on the Mac. Uh, stuff that you're just not going to notice that Safari is blocking and preventing from happening. Stuff that just happens, that you often are oblivious to or unaware of. So that's great, but on top of that, if you want to know more about it, there's gonna be a new built-in privacy report feature that's gonna show you exactly how many trackers and tools that Safari has blocked on your behalf, which is cool. That's been built into other websites, uh, I'm sorry, to web browsers before. So that's not particularly novel. It's just novel in that so many people just don't bother with installing a different browser. They just use whatever came with, which would be Safari by default, and so maybe they haven't experienced that. But it's gonna be good. Another new thing is the new start page. Very excited about this um, because it's gonna let you customize things, get it more personal. Safari has always been so bare-boned in the past. Um, it's nice on the one hand. It's really sleek and minimal. But on the other hand, it wasn't very inviting. You spend so much time with your web browser, you know, that it might as well be a little bit friendlier, more useful, more inviting. There can't be a time and a place for minimalism, obviously, 
but sometimes you need a little bit more. And so that's why I'm glad that the start page is gonna be better. So obviously you're gonna have your favorites, your frequently visited sites, the privacy report, and then your iCloud tabs. iCloud syncing between favorites and stuff is already great, but now iCloud tabs, uh, it's just gonna get better and better as you're switching between your different devices. One thing that I like, which actually seems very Bing-like, Microsoft-like, is that they're adding the option for you to put a background image on. So on your home screen, before you go to a website, you can customize that. You can use uh, one of Apple's, you know, basically it's a wallpaper for your homepage, or you can upload your own, which is nice. That's a nice visual flair there. Because for a lot of people, that's where they spend most of their time on the computer. It's not it's not really the home uh, page of their device itself, but, but the web can act as your operating system, that's what I'm trying to say. The web can basically function as your operating system. Now, in terms of performance, this is where things get really good. The performance is gonna be so much better in, in the new Safari than Chrome that Apple's claimed that you can watch videos for three hours longer in the new Safari than you can with Chrome. Three hours. How bad was Chrome in the performance department that Apple could come in and improve that much. I mean, 20 minutes or something, that'd be a game that I would, you know, be like, oh yeah, well, that's what I would expect. May, you know, an hour, 45 minutes or an hour, it'd be like, wow, that's significant. You know, I'll take it. But three hours, rather than telling you how great Safari is, which it does, that says, I think, a lot about Chrome and how bad it really is. So I haven't uh, played around with this too much. I did have the beta installed on one of the review devices, the 13-inch MacBook Pro, which is gone now. It's no longer around. Um, but when I was playing around with it, I really liked it. And yes, it did feel noticeably faster. Also, because of the performance gains, yes, I could notice that the battery lasted longer uh, on that 13-inch when I was using Safari versus Chrome. Uh, so many people are doing work from home right now. Uh, if you're you know, on the couch or something typing, or you're at your desk, uh, or your desk away from your desk, which might be your kitchen counter, <laughs> or a chair somewhere, or at the park, or the coffee shop, wherever, with your mask, of course. Um, this matters. You know, increasing your battery life, that's a big deal. Now, we did a whole segment recently on the podcast, which you can go back and look up, about how to properly charge your MacBook Pro's battery, or your MacBook's battery, to keep it in good health. But, you know, batteries do great over time. So if your machine isn't brand new anymore, Something like Safari coming along and saying, hey, look, have some battery life back. That's an amazing thing. I, that's the one thing I like about Apple. You don't have to pay extra for this new operating system to upgrade and get these new features. It's just baked in to the update. And look what it's going to do. There's some other little flourishes that are kind of neat too. There's some website previews. So if you have, let's say, 20 tabs open and you're just reading and now at least you have the favicon so you can see, uh, which is something that Safari I think has been holding out on for a long time but it's just text and they all scrunch together. And it's like, well, where's that one tab that I really need to access? Well, now if you hover over, you're gonna get a web page preview, which is gonna make seeing, you know, and navigating through, browsing through all those tabs so much better. And so there are some tweaks like that that aren't just nice, but they're gonna be productivity upgrades. You know, they're little, but when you add them all together, it's gonna add up to, a, you know, at least a medium if not a major upgrade in terms of if you do use the internet, like it's your uh, operating system for all your work stack, then yeah, this could be a really big deal. Okay, so all that stuff's great, but the one thing that really matters to me is the extensions. Safari has had extensions, you know, for the longest time. It's just that the amount of extensions that were available was minuscule to the point of being unusable. 
And I was going to say that one of the main reasons why people stick with Chrome is because of all the supported extensions. But I wouldn't say, I'm going to go ahead and say, for, at least for me, it's the main reason. But here's what's really exciting for me. And I think this is really going to turn the tide for people in terms of, hey, now I can use Safari like I've always wanted because it's going to have the extensions that I need. They're going to be supporting web extensions, which means it's going to be very easy to port over the Chrome extensions that you rely on and use them in Safari for the first time. That is a big, big deal. Uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't have to list them all off, but but there's a ton, I mean like five or six that I need, and not just want, but need for the business to actually run things. And so I'm so glad that that is actually gonna be a possibility. I just like Safari better too, like reader mode. You get that in Safari, you don't get that by default with Chrome because Chrome doesn't wanna turn off all the ads and just give you the text. Apple doesn't mind, you know, those are the kinds of little differences that make the experience so much better. In fact, I covered this one time in a video, I don't remember which video, but there was like a reader mode plugin and it was a big deal for Chrome users because it gave you kind of a reader mode, but really it was a lot uh, more complicated than it needed to be, but at least it was a reader mode. But that's just baked in with Safari. Now, if they just brought over the extensions, that'd be one thing, that'd be cool already. But on top of that, they're gonna give you more Act, uh, control over what those uh, extensions can access in terms of your information and your privacy, which is really cool, very Apple-like. So you don't have to just blanket, give permission to this extension for all your web surfing. You can just say, only for this tab do I want this particular extension to have some access to my information, which is brilliant. That's That really, Big Sur is gonna have a lot of good stuff. Visually, it does look very different. I think it looks nice. I've gotten used to that redesign. I know some people don't like it, but you know, in a year, they're not gonna care. They're gonna like it. Uh, but this is one thing that is gonna make a huge difference for so many people, so I'm really excited. All right, for this next segment, let's talk a little bit about privacy in iOS 14, still in beta. Obviously, it's gonna be coming out soon, along with hopefully some new iPhones soon. And there's this new feature in iOS 14 that's gonna give you more precise control over which apps can use your precise location data versus a more generalized location set. So, you know, let's step back for a second. If you're using a weather app, does it need to know your actual house address, like your GPS coordinates? Well, no, not really. Uh, unless you want hyper, 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 hyper local, but you don't really need that. On the other hand, if you're using something like DoorDash or Instacart or something, they probably actually need to know where you live, you know? But every app doesn't need the same level or amount of information about your location. So there's a new feature. Um, it's called, I think, precise location tracking or the precise location setting that's something that you can toggle in iOS 14. And what it does is it only exposes your location information within a set, I think of a couple of miles. That's the radius that it does. Um, to just let things be a little bit more targeted. And again, like if you're using a weather app, maybe they just need to know your city, right? But not your neighborhood. And then what's neat is it will update a couple of times each hour, actually. The place to access this, if you have the beta now, or if you're watching this later, is to go to settings, and then privacy, and then location services. And from there, you can go in, and then you can limit or turn off precise location. 
So I think this is going to get better. It's one of the, the great things about Apple and the ecosystem. So when they come out with a service like this, what happens is the developers say, oh, well, we can do this now. So that happened with signing with Apple, which as a consumer, I really love. I know a lot of developers actually didn't like that, but I love when I see a sign in with Apple button and I don't have to give away my actual email address to sign up for something. It's so convenient. It's great. Uh, but when this comes out, developers are going to be like, okay, well, does my app actually need uh, your your dialed in precise GPS coordinates or would it be okay to have something that's a little more broad? And you know, what's the best experience going to be for my app? So that's going to be cool. As an Apple user, it's a big upgrade. Well, it's a little upgrade, but it's a big deal, I should say, I think. And then over time, you'll be able to go in and tweak this. And I guess just as a friendly reminder, whether you're running the beta, whether you're in iOS 14 or 13 or wherever, wherever you're at, it's just a good reminder. Go back, go through your location settings and see which apps have access that you've granted access. You might be surprised. I usually am, even though I'm Chris, the tech guy, you know, the Apple guy. Uh, every time I go back and look at who has access to my location, I'm like, what? They didn't need that. How'd they get that? Why would I turn that on? So something you should check out. Here's another little how-to for you guys. It's how to force quit an app that's not responding on your Apple Watch. You know, you probably have force quit apps all the time on your iPhone, on your Mac. On your Mac, it's very easy. Double click uh, or however you need to do it, depending on your settings with your mouse, and say force quit and an application that's not responding gets quit. On your iPhone, you know how to quit stuff. You get into your multitasking, swipe it up, and it's quit. But how do you force quit an app on your Apple Watch? That's something I didn't even know was possible until recently, and I don't know who would. This is like a deep little unknown factoid or tidbit. So sometimes the Apple Watch, with its resources, its processor and everything, and apps, depending on the developer and glitches and bugs and stuff, it can hang up. And when it does, usually if you press the digital crown and just go back to your home screen, that's usually enough to quit and get out of that app. But sometimes it freezes and it hangs and it gets stuck. And that happens not super frequently for me, but it happens more than I, I would have thought, you know, a couple of times every now and then. So next time it's unresponsive, here's what you do. Press and hold the side button, not the digital crown, but the side button right here. Hold that down for a couple of seconds until you see that power off screen. Then, once you see that power off screen, then hold down that uh, digital crown until the app actually quits. I know, there's no instructions for this. How would you ever know that unless somebody sat here and told you? But now you're pre-armed with that information, right, for the future. Uh, so you're gonna be an app quitting machine or maybe you just look this up. But either way, I hope that was a useful tip for you guys. All right, so that's it for this episode. I enjoyed it. Hopefully you guys did too. Uh, I am about to go get some food, get some coffee, and then go do a photo shoot for the Google Pixel 4a versus the iPhone SE. And that should be interesting. What I'm gonna do, I think, is a task-by-task -task comparison versus just a hardware comparison. Everybody's doing the hardware. Uh, but I wanna do the task-by-task. -task. Like, what is it like to actually use these two phones? Uh, so yeah, keep a lookout for that. Keep a lookout for the new Discord server, which is coming soon. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode or video. Later. Welcome to the other party out of vibe. Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party out of vibe. Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah.
Since all 12 are giving you the heat No reviews from Chris, you gotta see Daily Tech got the facts that you need And it's the whole crew you gotta meet After party, it's the place you gotta be And you can't really beat it cause it's free Trying to give you unbiased critiques Quality, you should take it from me Cause we care about our customers Pull up a seat, got a whole team Giving you the best and do it by any means Brand new Mac and know it's looking clean It's the after party, live from the mountains Wanna cop some, shouldn't be a doubt about it Looking for great reviews, then you found it Connecting with the fans, hope you get a lot out of it Welcome to the other party, I did When you know we getting lit and come alive And you know we got a light so we gon' shine Talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party, got that vibe. Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got that light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah.